I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. James, game one is in the books. That was not how I thought game one was going to go. You? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't predict that one. No, Tampa was. Man, I don't want to take anything away from the Leafs, but Tampa that was not uh, that was not their A game, and I don't think it was their B game. Yeah, it was like it was not a game you could really forecast just based on the way it was officiated, the way some of the stuff that went down went down. I guess we we did talk about some of that stuff, uh, and I'm referring, of course, to the Kyle Clifford major uh handful of minutes into the game um, i wonder if the league jonas like said like watch this series closely because they're talking about violence and all this stuff leading into the game and like sometimes you in the first couple of playoff games the the league there's like a whole bunch of calls so that's kind of what it felt like to me well and it felt like sheldon keith was trying to get ahead of it and basically say to the league watch this stuff i mean it's not an accident that he refers to all the the post the scrums from previous postseasons. Basically, he's yeah. saying to the league, watch this stuff that they do. Um, and obviously, he dressed a lineup or a fourth line, at least, that could match that. But let, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's just talk about the, the win more generally. Obviously, 5 nothing in game one against the, the back-to-back champs. It could not have gone better for them in so many different ways. What was kind of your big takeaway from what they did in the first game? They just, they look real confident. They they dominated the game. That's that's the best playoff performance the Leafs have had. And like, I, can you think of another game where they've played that well? I'm sure there are others. That's like a bit of recency bias. They played some good games against Boston, Washington. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, but that like that that good <laughs> like that that overwhelmingly well, especially given was, the opponent. Obviously, did you see the deserved a winnow meter after the game? It was what, like ninety two percent or something like that. Like just the balance of play that they carried, uh, 
you know, Keefe was careful to say after the game, you know, we got to be careful, you know, not to not to take too much out of this because it was a weird game in that so much special teams like they only played 33 minutes at five on five in the game. You know, it was like only like half the game was a was a real game. And some of the players, you know, Marner said after that he didn't feel like that they were really you know, that five on five, there wasn't as, uh, a lot there. So, you know, part of it was, you know, and that's part of what I wrote about after the game is that the Leafs being so much better on special teams this year ended up being a big factor in a game like that where so much of the game was played on special teams. Well, Keith said the first star of the game was the crowd and he's right. The crowd was awesome. Like I have not hear, heard the crowd like that at a Leaf game, maybe ever. Um, like just involved in like every single little play, like that was very Boston. Like Boston's really good at that. Where like even the the subtle stuff, like a, an important check, an important block shot, an important clear, was cheered. But I think the first star of the game was their penalty kill. Like full stop to kill a penalty. Like they kill a penalty like two minutes into the game, and then Clifford takes um, the penalty that he does, and they they not only kill it off, James, like. They dominated it. They generated more chances shorthanded than Tampa did with the power play. Like that, to me, was the difference in the game. It's like that's the best major penalty kill I've seen. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you know, it was and you know, it was kind of it was like a statement, right? Like we've seen that during the season that the penalty kill is just looked different this year and better this year. And you know, the Leafs scored thirteen shorthanded goals this season. I think they only allowed. I want to say they allowed forty-two. Uh, goals when they were shorthanded. So, like their goal differential on on the penalty kill was was fantastic. In part because they scored so much and they were such a threat. And you know, Marner is such a big part of that. But you know, and he pointed this out too. You know, Camp is winning the draw a lot of the draws, and then you get the way that Engvall has evolved this season. Mikheyev, they just their personnel that they've got now. Brody's such a good penalty killer, so good at blocking shots. Like they, you know, it's. It's partly the players that they had, some of the players they had last season, but it's also some of the new players that they've added in camp is, is such a big part of that. Yeah, so camp won four of his six draws on the penalty kill, which is outstanding. Um, but to your point, like one thing you, you, you do wonder a little bit, or at least I did, is like, are they going to continue to be that aggressive in the playoffs? Like, will they take the same amount of mm. chances? And they did. Like, they were just like swarming Tampa. And it it looked a lot like it did during the regular season, where it's like as soon as they had maybe like a little inkling that they could turn a puck over and go the other way, they did. And it's like all the guys you mentioned, they're quick. Like Mikheyev can move, Engvall can move, Camp can move. Camp has really good instincts. Marner is obviously Marner. Um, like Kasha, you know Camp, Blackwell. You know Camp, what I mean? Yeah, Camp has. I remember. I think it was Josh Cloak for us that wrote the story about Camp early in the season. Just. His like fitness level is unbelievable, and you can see that on the penalty kill because he can have been out there in a, a minute, and then he's still got the legs to race to the other end with the puck. And you know he's he's into all kinds of I think he's into like CrossFit and and stuff like that. But he's and he's just completely ripped. And I, I think that 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 endurance factor that he has helps him so much in those situations. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, we mentioned Marner. Uh, he finishes with a goal and two assists. So he scores a goal at even strength. He sets up a power play goal and then he launches that puck that camp chases down for the shorthanded goal. I think that's like a really important game for him just based on his, his past. Um, how much do you take out of that um, as something moving forward that, that maybe can continue or do you just think it's one game, a weird game and we'll see. 
What, let me ask you this. You, I mean, you were you were there. What um, what did you make of him post game? Like, it seemed like he was more kind of like serious and subdued, and and like he sort of had his game face really on. Yeah, it's interesting because he was like that in the morning, and I, I thought to myself, eh, like he looks a little, like that makes me think he's a little tight. And then he didn't look tight in the game, and it's interesting. I I thought it was really um noteworthy how John Cooper talked about him before the game. And he basically said, like, we're going to try to do things to make him really uncomfortable. And they didn't really get a chance to do that in the first game. But I'm really interested to see how that looks as the series moves ahead and especially as the series moves to Tampa and and Cooper can actually get the guys he wants on the ice against Marner. Um, But I just think in terms of confidence, it's really important that for him that the series started that way. Because let's say like him and Matthews don't score, don't produce in that first game. Then the, the questions start again. And then it's like, well, is this is this happening again? And now it's just like, it's done. Like that, that drought is over. They both scored. Matthews had two goals. Marner was really effective in all situations. And I kind of think that that can kind of tampen down the heat a little bit, which could have gone the other way. Yeah, I mean that said, I mean it's early. It's one right? game, so for sure. you know, yeah. yeah, you know, the, if Marner struggles in two games, then all of a sudden some people will bring up the. But it definitely takes the pressure off, and you know they were, they talked about it on the broadcast. Uh, Sheldon Keith talked about it, like getting rid of the zero and the goal and the point column. You know, in, in other seasons they've had those zeros. Both Matthews and Marner have hung around for a while. Like, remember the, remember the, I think it was the Boston one of the Boston series, maybe the second one, and it's like Matthews hasn't scored yet. Matthews hasn't scored yet. You and I were at the game in Boston. It was was it the fourth game or something when he finally scored, and it was like a big moment and. You know, he, Matthews is such a dominant player and Marner is such a dominant player that if they don't impact the score sheet in like two games, everyone all of a sudden starts talking about it. So for the fact that they were so made such a big impact in game one is is key just from that perspective. And they don't have to get asked about it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I remember like Mike Babcock always used to say like that for those guys, like you kind of need to play long enough for those stats to start to even out. Like there would be remember those years early in Sidney Crosby's career where like the first round would pass and he'd have like not many points and people were like, what's up with Crosby? And then like you'd look at the end of the third round, he'd be leading the, the playoffs and scoring. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, I mean, Babcock would have seen it. You know who is a classic example of that is is Datsuk. Yeah. Because I think Datsuk, his first, and people were, you know, and there was some talk I remember around him early in his career and it's like, oh, you know, can this guy play in the playoffs and like his, you know, his style. And it was just, it was really... I think more like a sample size issue for him. Like, so in his first, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think his first like 20 or 25 playoff games, he didn't really have a lot of offense. And then all of a sudden, you know, he just, he dominated. They won a bunch of Stanley Cups and, you know, away you go. I think too, what's so unique about Marner, and I guess it's not like totally unique. There are other guys who do this. Like I'm thinking Bergeron, Marchand really come to mind, but guys who can kind of really play a disruptive role in every situation. Like Marner is such a threat shorthanded. Like he he's so he must be so scary for power plays because like if he gets a an inch, like he's gone. Obviously on the power play, he's a brilliant passer. He sets up Matthews on that five on three, interesting with five forwards. And then obviously at even strength, what he can do. Like he's just I don't know, he can just affect the game in so many ways. You know what's interesting, Jonas, a little bit of a not not directly related to Marner, but sort of like the 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 penalty kill hasn't been that dangerous really the last few years. Like it's been fine. Like it's it's been average. You know, basically, looking, 
Yeah, I was looking at last year and they had 0.73 goals per 60 minutes on the penalty kill, which is like, it doesn't stand out at all. This year they were at two goals per 60 minutes on the penalty kill. And some of that's, you know, I think like Mikheyev breaking through and not being, you know, stymied the way that, but they just, they're just like, it's, they're almost scored almost three times as many goals per minute on the penalty kill this year than they did last year. Yeah. It's a big difference. Like you, I think we had talked. Well, power play has got to watch out for them, you know, in a big way. Well, and the other part of it. So like you mentioned, Tampa's special teams, like that was one of the advantages that Tampa seemed to have over the Leafs in previous years. And it's like, it's like their penalty kill, the Toronto penalty kill is what we just discussed. And then their power play is, is really effective. And, and the thing that's notable about what the Leaf penalty kill did in that first game is Tampa's power play was just like a monster down the stretch. And it's like, it's a really good power play. Like that power play is at its peak is basically as good as the Leafs. Like they have so many different threats and they didn't even get anything. Like they didn't get going at all, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was surprised that Tampa's best players didn't really see a lot from Kucherov. Point is playing hurt, which I think, you know, if he continues to to struggle is going to be a big part of the series. Um, that's probably the most significant injury that they've got on on their side. And, you know, we talked about in the preview podcast, we talked about like scoring depth and like looking at who the Leafs had in the lineup, down the lineup. You know, where Tampa is going to be a bit challenged to match the Leafs is going to be kind of in that like second line region where, you know, I think the Leafs have more dangerous players there than Tampa does after that. Now that the Lightning have lost some other depth on their second and third line. Now that I'm not actually sure of. I'm not sure I believe that. What make the case? Well, statistically, the Leafs have more players that can contribute at that, like kind of in that range between like like the Leafs scores between third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh or had much better years than Tampa's. I'm less, Tampa's got, I'm a little less. Well, like Palat is getting older. Kalorn is getting older. Like their results have, have trailed off as they've gotten into their thirties. So, you know, they're relying on those players where, you know, the Leafs have Nylander and Tavares and Mikheyev had such a big year. And it, 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 it part of it depends. Yeah. What do the, what do you get? What do they get from Kasha? What do they get from Bunting? Uh, what do they get from Engvall? You know, but, you know, those players all had really big years for the Leafs. And if they can do that in the playoffs, then I think that that's an advantage there. Yeah. I mean, the Leafs were a better offensive team than Tampa this year. Yeah. Second best in the league after Florida. So I guess why I'm dubious is like, I need to see, uh, like there, there was a long stretch in the second half where there, I mean, that Tavares line was basically a non-threat. Yeah. Uh, and the camp line is what it is. Like the camp line is not going to, I just don't expect it to score a lot. So I need to see it to believe it. Um, what I'm saying is that in that part of the lineup, the Lightning don't have don't have like star power there really anymore. Yeah, but I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not there yet. Like, like I still, you know, Hagel since the trade didn't give them anything, and we'll see. But they like they're going to need their those lines to contribute for that. We'll see. Um, obviously, Kyle Clifford makes a poor decision. I didn't mind them dressing Clifford in the first game. I didn't like that they dressed Clifford and Wayne Simmons. Like I thought that was very reactionary to what Keith was talking about, the type of series he expected it to be. Clifford deserved to play. Like if he's like Keith is right. If you looked at the last stretch of the season, he was the best of that group. Uh like of Spezza, Whit Simmons, whoever. 
but I don't, I didn't get dressed just in terms of like expected goals. Yeah. And, like there stuff like that, but, but like he, and he was noticeable. Like I thought he played well. Like I, I actually thought he was done. <laughs> he being, played 49 minutes, 49 seconds. Yeah. I thought, no, but I mean, down the stretch, like I thought he played well. I thought he was done being like a guy who could contribute. He proved that maybe that's not the case. Well, Clifford's a good player defensively. My biggest problem with him it has been the penalties. Yeah. He's he's taken a lot of bad penalties this year. It's not just the game one. Like it's there's been it's been very noticeable how, and and that hasn't been what something that Simmons has been doing. Yeah. To me, uh, I just don't think Simmons has a lot left. I don't like the mm-hmm. idea of playing those two together. I I just mm-hmm. don't know what that group is supposed to do. You know what I mean? Like, well, they're just there for when the game gets out of hand or when things get goofy. They put them out there. Yeah. There was one. You remember the early in the game. It was six on five because Tampa had the goalie and there was a delayed penalty. And then Keith had rolled that line out there. And it, it was almost like a dicey situation. But but Simmons was able to, you know, that Tampa was rolling out some of their best players and they had the fourth line out there. And it's like, oh boy, this this could get ugly here with the goalie out. Like, you know, it was a, you know, like an odd man situation with your fourth line out there is not what you want to have happen. No. And, and Simmons plays 540. Uh, we'll see what happens with Clifford as far as a suspension goes. I, yeah, I don't think that. Like, I mean, what's the point I, of having those penalties if that's just going to be? That should just be a major, I, and he's out, and that's that. I put in a call to the to someone to a source there on the suspension side, and I didn't haven't heard back yet. But if I get something while we're recording, I'll uh, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, I think regardless, and I don't know that he'll do this, um, but I would put Jason Spezza in for game two. I, I just don't. I don't think you can just have a non-entity line that just is supposed to be physical. Like I just, especially against Tampa, which has a fourth line that's actually good and useful and can play regularly. I, I just don't like that idea, but. I guess the counter that I think someone like Keith or some of the fans would say is like, look what happened late in the game where you got like all of a sudden like Maroon is fighting Morgan Riley and. Yeah, but did having you know, those guys, obviously Clifford wasn't around. I just don't buy that, that that stops anything. It doesn't. It didn't stop anything. Simmons was on the ice. Like he was the the bad thing that I think went wrong there is the officials didn't stop it before it happened. Like it was that was going on for a few seconds. Like, well, they missed it on the broadcast. Well, so what was that? It's well, this is a benefit of being there. You can kind of see behind the play. So Simmons hits. I can't remember who he hit. And then Maroon and Perry or Perry is basically chasing Simmons up the ice and then Maroon gets in there. Mm-hmm. And there is an opportunity, I think, like at that point to intercede and, and break it up. And they don't. And then eventually it just becomes a brawl. Um, but I, I just would rather have a line that can contribute a goal here and there and actually play regularly. And I just don't think when you play Simmons and Clifford, you can do that. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of think, Jonas, they roll back with the same lineup again. And, but, uh, and, and I, I think that's probably what they're going to do. I, I think he, I would think he would want to give uh, Clifford another chance would be my suspicion. Well, he was defending him, you know, post game. And do, do you think, do you think part of the decision to have that line is that you're at home, you have last change, you can kind of shelter them a little bit. If you don't like the matchup, you you just sit them and they don't play very much. Yeah, but I just don't I don't I don't like that. I don't find that makes any I don't see the point of that. That's you know what I don't like about it? That's not who they are. Like that's they're getting away from kind of what they they do. Like they're not 
Yeah. I don't know. But I, I think they I think they would say that we've said that in the past about them in the playoffs. Like, you know, you, you got to win with the team that you're built as and all that. And they, they haven't won, right? So this team that the Leafs have is more physical and more that way than other ones that we've seen. You know, like there just seems to be... You know, I think getting in Giordano and, and Blackwell added a little bit of feistiness to them. They just... But those guys are... But that's... So, see, Blackwell's a good example. Blackwell is someone who is physical, but he can play. Like, he can play regularly. Like, yeah. how much did he play in game one? I'm looking. So, he played just under 11 minutes. And some of that's on the penalty kill. Like, yep. Blackwell's like the kind of guy... Like, if you could have But I think their team identity... What yeah. I'm saying is their team identity is like a little bit more like that than some of the years in the past. Yeah, I mean, it basically was like that last year. I mean, they had Clifford and Simmons last year, and it didn't work. That's just, if if that were me, that's not the way I would do it. But, like, we'll see if it works. Like, we'll see as the series moves ahead, especially as, like you mentioned, home ice. We'll see if things change when the series shifts to, to Tampa. Um, I do want to mention, James, um, Jack Campbell obviously picks up the shutout. I, he was tested here and there. Like, I think the Leafs did a awesome job and not really giving up much like Tampa had six shots basically halfway through the game the Leafs blocked mm-hmm. 25 shots 25 shots who do you have the numbers for players I, I mean it felt like Brody was blocked like Brody <laughs> blocked three Giordano mm-hmm. block five Riley block five Muzzin block three yeah I mean Giordano was so good in that game yeah, and, and so and they, and they you know what they played that pair a lot. Like they played Logren and Giordano, and and they were they were good. They were well, really good. And you know where they were really good, and it shows up in the numbers on the penalty kill. They were excellent. Yeah. Tampa got like nothing when they were on the ice on the penalty kill. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he's going with Logren over Labushkin on the penalty kill. He, well, Labushkin got mixed in when a little bit. The guy who's basically out of the mix on the penalty kill is Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the benefit of adding um, Giordano. I thought Muzzin looked really good in game one, which is obviously a big thing for them. Like he, well, that I mean, the, that was that goal was vintage Jake Muzzin. I mean, uh, that reminded me he he's played well in the playoffs in past in his his past two seasons. Like he scored some really big goals for them, and he is he's been. I think he has eleven or ten or eleven goals in sixty six playoff games or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like he's he's like one of those guys that the the problem is that he's gotten hurt in the last two postseasons, and they they've really really missed him. And if if he can play like a top four D in this series, it's going to be absolutely massive because no one was expecting that coming in. Well, the hard thing for him is going to be their games every other night. And that's, and that's, you know, some well, his of the older mobility, guys. Yeah. His mobility wasn't like, you could tell like, he's just not as agile as, and he was, he was never like the fastest guy. Yeah. So that's something to monitor as the series rolls along. Can he hold up? And if he can't, like, when do you change course? If he can, great. Like that's, that's a yeah. great for them. And obviously TJ Brody, like just had a TJ Brody night. He led the team. He played almost 23 minutes. He was great on the penalty kill. Was- I thought he was awesome. I thought he was yeah. he, I thought he was fantastic. You know, he just shuts down so many plays. Like you could see yeah. Tampa was getting like frustrated with him a little bit, you know, just like getting in the lanes and Well, that's when Kucherov took the penalty. Like he broke up a play and then Kucherov was pissed and took a penalty. But yeah, you could like what I think some people online call what what Brody does like the alligator or something where he just like lies on the ice like strategically and blocks those like I call it the slide. That's how it goes down in my notes. <laughs> but, you know, 
It, it, I like the alligator because it's kind of like he's just like he's just like lying there with like. But it uh, anyway, he's he's one of uh, he's one of those players that's just like does so many subtle things really really well. All right, we're gonna get to the pod bag in a second. Before we take a break and go into that, uh, what are you expecting in game two? And and I guess you can even look ahead to game three when the series shifts to Tampa. Well, I think the Lightning are going to be a lot better. I mean, I think that there's going to be more of a push from the other side and. Um, you know, it's, we'll see. I mean, Tampa's played so much hockey and, and I've, I've, as I mentioned, some of their guys are getting a little bit older and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's going to work out that this is the right time for the Leafs to catch Tampa in the playoffs. Like maybe it's, it's, it's early, but if I'm the Leafs, I mean, if you can win game two, it's, (laughs) you got a stranglehold on the series. So they got to really put empty the tank in that game there. I'm not going to make any pronouncements until they've won four games. It's yeah, it's too good a team, a good idea. and there's too much history, and like it's really hard to. Man, they've won one game. Like it's really hard to win four, especially against a team like that. Like Tampa's really good, and Tampa did not have a good, a good game, and that's not likely to repeat itself. Um, but it, but it's funny, James. Oh. Like you, you, what we we have breaking news. Okay. Toronto's Kyle Clifford will have a hearing today for boarding Tampa Bay's Ross Colton. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I was going to say, James, like I was thinking of like my roadmap that I did for the site um, about how they win the series. And game one, they checked so many of those boxes. Matthews and Marner made an impact. Jack Campbell outplayed Vasilevsky. Their power play outplayed Tampa's. Um, their fourth line was non-essential, but their defense was great. Um, that's like a lot of the things that will need to happen as the series rolls along. Like they need Campbell to continue to play like he did in the first game. They need Matthews and Marner to be what they were. I thought Neilander looked really good early in the game, especially like he was going. Um, so lots of lots of good signs. It kind of looks like Clifford's going to get a, a one game suspension. Is is my sneaking suspicion? So then that's Jason Spezza's music, I guess. Yeah, I don't really understand the way suspensions are supposed to work. <laughs> like was, why do we have wheel of, wheel why of we justice have, isn't it isn't that why he got the five minute major and he got kicked out of the game like isn't that enough or no well some plays they believe elevate beyond the, the it was really coming. late it was not a smart play no it was I mean you can't hit a guy that doesn't have the puck like that yeah did Colton lose his tooth that I do not know he, he certainly was all his face was all I'm sure the Lightning are calling for for something there, and it, this again, Jonah speaks to the league watching this series closely, and you know their ears perk up when when they hear some of the comments that were made going into the series, and they watch it really closely, and they want to set the tone that they're not going to accept stuff like that. So my guess is he misses one game. Well, I do not. I mean, Spezza, Simmons, Blackwell did not go great during the regular season, for what it's worth. Do you know, I, I had some fans ask, and I'm sure we're going to get questions in the pod bag. Do you, like, it looked like Riley potentially, like, hurt his hand in the fight there at the end. Was there any discussion of that, or, do you, like, do you think he's okay? I guess we'll see here at pra- practice later today. We'll see at practice. Like, that was not great, and he went to the dressing room, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and didn't play after that. We'll see at practice, um, but that would obviously be... Bad. Well, that's why you don't want your stars getting in there and fighting yes. a bunch of guys. And, yeah. 
Um, so what it, for what it's worth, Blackwell, Spezza, Simmons played 26 minutes together, 23% expected goals. But what else do you do? You don't have any choice. I don't know. You don't have choices. Well, I mean, actually, that's not true. I if guess you Bunt- could sit Simmons and like no, play a, well, well, you know, I see. Yeah, bunting if plays, Bunting yeah. is able to play, then. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see uh, after we record this. I'll head to practice. We'll see what they do. We'll see if Bunting's able to play. Maybe they you know give what, him having, an extra uh, couple days. Yeah. I thought I thought Kasha played pretty well. I mean, better than I was expecting. Like, he didn't, he didn't do a lot. He kind of played really within his game, but. He was solid. Yeah, two assists, 13 and a half minutes. He blocked a couple shots. He had three shots on goal. I was really surprised that he played, honestly. Yeah, well, it's it's a weird situation to miss a month and a half and come back for game one of the playoffs. Well, and like literally last week, they said there was no timeline for his return, and then he's in game yeah, one. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, he, they're not, he had one they're not f- under oath with those injury updates to us. Okay, well, he had one full practice before he played, so... Anyway, let's take a break and let's get to the pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, James, a reminder to support your local restaurants, support your local businesses. We need them. I need them. So many great food options and places to go in the city. I love Toronto, man. Take it away. Ryan says, why can't the crowd always be like this? Good question. I don't know. In in previous years, the crowd in the playoffs hasn't even, it's been okay, but it hasn't been like last night. Yeah, I don't know why they were so dialed in because it was like that even before the game started. Like, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was when Matthews, did Matthews get, no, when Matthews was on the ice early in the game, like there was like MVP chance, like there was... This is the kind of stuff like you don't normally hear from a Toronto crowd, really, or a Toronto Leaf crowd, because the Raptors crowds are pretty. Maybe it's boisterous. just like so. Maybe it's after so long away. Like it's that that might be part of it. Like they haven't they haven't maybe, had an opportunity, or maybe like they they just felt kind of like sort of confident in this team. Like you, you've got Matthews, you've got Marner. Like I don't know. There there hadn't been a, a playoff home game like that, obviously, in a while. Keeps talked a lot about like crowds in the past, and you know he like I'm you know some of those years in the without crowds, he's talked about how it's tough and the energy's not there, and it was brutal. We've discussed that on the podcast before. It sucks. Yeah, and that was like that was an advantage. Like that's what a home ice advantage besides the matchups can be. Like that was sort of intimidating in some ways it seemed for Tampa like they were they were jeering Vasilevsky like I don't, I've never I haven't heard that much from a Toronto crowd 
the crowd's been pretty sleepy this season in the games that I've been to. I know that it's picked up a little bit late in the year with, you know, I think Matthews with like the 60 goal chase and all that. I think that that, that really got people fired up a little bit. Well, that to was see. Toronto crowd at its like peak. Like I'm really glad that they actually really recognized how special that was and really made it feel special because sometimes like those moments pass and it's like, yeah, like when yeah. he got 50 goals, it was a little bit like, eh. it wasn't like they, they as good as it should have been in 60. It was just like great. So mm. kudos to the crowd. Uh, David asks our thoughts on the officiating in the game. I thought, I thought they were fine. You? It was a little too much for me. Just like calling. Yeah. But like, then we, the problem is like, they can't win. Like, I feel bad for the officials. It's like, they call too much and it's like, why are they calling everything? And then they don't call enough. It's like, why, why are they officiating the game differently? So I don't know. Was Some there, of those was just seemed a little ticky tack. Well, I mean, like the interference on Labushkin, that like, that was a penalty. Like the, the hooking call on Brody, like up in the hands, that was a penalty. Like, I mean, the McKay of hold or it was either the McKay of hold or the McKay of trip was a little bit like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then obviously not kind of keeping the game in check at the end. There was not. Well, yeah, I mean that, yeah, that's what they're going to, you need someone to jump in if there's a, <laughs> a fighter beating well, it's up like on like right a, when that that part play i mentioned where perry is is going after simmons right there just send those guys to the box like get in the middle and send them right to the box don't even let it don't let anything happen that's kind of what they did during the regular season right when they was like getting out of hand they just you know yeah didn't, didn't they give happen. those guys penalties yeah. maroon and simmons just for like talking yeah yeah for like looking at each other the wrong way yeah yeah, Kyle A asks, uh, "What are your thoughts on a tough guy like Maroon pounding on Morgan Riley, who is clearly not?" I can't remember the last time Morgan Riley fought. Like, how many fights does he have in the league? Not very many. Probably not many. One or two. I do not like fighting, so I'll just say that. Yeah, well, it's going to happen. So, but you know, ideally, it's going to happen with guys who are a bit more prepared for it. I mean, Maroon is such a it's like 240 pounds. I know, I know Riley's a strong guy, but, you know, it, a lot of, you know, fighting is like technique and things like that, too. So, you got to be careful you don't get hurt. Yeah. Well, and we'll see if he was okay from that fight today. Sir, I'm trying to look up Maroon on hockey fights. Don't worry about Or <laughs> Riley. Anyway, moving on. It, wouldn't, it won't be a long list. Yeah. Uh, a- Adam asks, obviously, the penalty kill was great in game one. In that penalty-filled first period, uh, I found myself wondering if Keith should put Austin Matthews over the boards, particularly on the five-minute major. Do you think Matthews should be getting PK time in the, in the interest of getting him in the game? It 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 came to mind for me, but... You don't just, change what you're doing, like... Well, he's never played on the penalty, or almost never played on the penalty kill. He doesn't know the scheme, you know, like, you, you, potentially, if you get stuck in your own zone and he you know, he hasn't been part of like the penalty kill meetings or the preparation. Then, you know, Matthews is smart enough that I think he could figure out he's good at blocking shots. He's good at taking the puck away, but you don't want to rip up your, your PK units in the, in, in the first period of game one of the playoffs. Well, and especially when the PK is like dominating, why would you change anything? Well, he's just, you know, I think that you don't see Matthews on the ice for so long. It's like a little bit disconcerting if you're a fan or associated with the Leafs. Yeah, he played just under 17 minutes, which obviously is quite low for him. Uh, I found it. Riley has fought once before. He fought Alex Burroughs in oh, yeah. uh, 
November yeah. 2016. That's it. Oh, man. That's a long time ago. Yep. Well, he did. He rearranged uh, Jan Ruda's face a little bit. Yeah, poor Jan Ruda. Poor, poor Jan Ruda. Well, he's, I don't know. Don't, don't mess with Morgan Riley. Uh, Jason says, what changes do you think Tampa will make for game two? I mean, that's a better question for Joe Smith, who knows the team really well. I was surprised, you know, I did a preview piece with Joe talking. He interviewed me about the Leafs and I, I gave him my takes and then I interviewed him about the Lightning and I was surprised kind of how positive he was about the Lightning because, you know, they've had some dips in their season, but I think Tampa was playing so well the last month of the season, you know, like Vasilevsky and Stamkos and Stamkos and Kucherov were the two highest scoring players in the NHL in April. The power play has been really good. You know, they had, the Lightning came into the playoffs really, really hot. Um, But, you know, there were some times in the middle of the season where they, they struggled a little bit. I just, I don't think they're going to panic. I don't think John Cooper's not going to panic. I think that they're going to adjust most likely to what the Leafs did on the penalty kill and try and, you know, avoid the aggressiveness or take advantage of the aggressiveness potentially. I think you're going to notice players like Kucherov and Hedman didn't have a great game. You know, a lot of their best players just didn't didn't look like stars in that game and so that that's really what the difference you're probably going to see in game two. Yeah, and so between Kucherov and Stamkos, they had 11 shots blocked. Mm-hmm. And some of those obviously on the penalty kill. And I, yeah, <clears throat> so much of that game, James, like we were saying, was played on special teams that it wasn't really like a game you could kind of, like Keith said, you couldn't really take a ton to it. Like, as far as like matchups or any of that stuff goes, like it was basically meaningless. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, game two could be like way more on even strength and and my prediction for game two is it's going to be a 2-1 or a 3-2 game and it's going to be really tight and, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a real grind them out game with with fewer with 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 fewer penalties and 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 less special teams and more kind of tight even strength playoff hockey yeah and it's like the leafs have to expect like a full friggin storm to start the game full of lightning maybe james they're not they're not gonna want to go down to nothing you know and then you know they don't have home ice in the series and so i i think you're gonna see a real big pushback uh, Liz wants to know why do the Florida Panthers get so much love and hype as a Stanley Cup contender when they haven't won a playoff series since 1996? Totally. Uh, it's funny, you know, like it's markets, right? Like it's how it's perception. Well, yeah, they don't have like the perception that the you know the the Leafs are just you know when they don't succeed, it's it's on the front page everywhere, and when the Panthers don't succeed, it's it's not really getting a lot of headlines. Well, I thought it was like interesting that the most overrated team in our athletic poll was the Leafs. And, I, and that just reeks of reputation yeah. and not what actually happened this year. Like if, if anyone was paying attention to what happened this year, they're not overrated. Our our editor who was working on that piece, I encourage people to go read it because it was a good, even though, even though I know it pissed some people off. To be clear, not all of our writers voted the Leafs as overrated. There were just more people picked them than some of the other teams. They were close to some of the other teams, right? There were a couple other teams that were right there. I think the Rangers were close and Florida. I voted Florida. I think I picked Minnesota. That's who I was who I picked. Um, our, uh, our editor who was building that piece, he was kind of like talking to everyone in the newsroom and putting that together. I think he got a quote from you about whether or not the Leafs are overrated. Yeah. Um, 
his name's Jake Leonard, and uh, he messaged me and he's like, do you think the Leafs are overrated? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. And the funny thing, I was like, I said to him, I was like, how many people voted that the Leafs are going to win the series? And it was like, it was like 32% or something. It's like, how can you be overrated and no one thinks you're going to win the series? Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, doesn't it make sense? People think you're overrated, so you're not going to win the series. I guess, but like... But it's it's all a lot of the stuff that is reputation. No one's based. picking like, the Leafs to do anything in these playoffs. Like, yeah, uh, certainly outside the market. Like, there's a lot of. I feel like in general, people are really down on the Leafs this year outside of Toronto. Well, it's like you hear a lot of the stuff that actually isn't factual. They're like, well, the Leafs can't play well defensively. It's like, well, actually, if you look at the numbers, the Leafs are one of the best defensive teams in well, the league. Well, and we've seen that evolution the last two years where they've gotten so much better defensively. You know, I, it was, I remember in, in talking to Joe in the season preview, he was like, well, the Leafs penalty kill is really good. It's like, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, like they've worked really hard to improve in those areas. And it's it's been a big part of, you know, this is the best Leafs team that we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. You know, people were talking about like the Pat Quinn years last night I saw on, on social media. is like that was the last time the Leafs played this well in the playoffs. It's like 20 years ago. Uh, here's a good question. Dylan wants to know if Bunting comes back next game, do you move Kasha to the fourth line? I like the idea of easing him back into things. He could still be on power play too. Um, and he would immediately increase the potential of that line. What say you, Jonas, who goes on the fourth line? So I would go, obviously, let me just do this in my head. Bunting, Matthews, Marner. I would get, I, I don't like this splitting up Nylander. I would get Mikheyev, Tavares, Nylander. Then I would go, I guess, Kerfoot, Engvall, Camp, Kerfoot. I, I guess Kerfoot played. Kerfoot was awesome. Yeah, Kerfoot. he was really good. He really doesn't seem intimidated by the playoffs, which is obviously a good trait. And you then can I see guess his skill. You can see his skating come out and his smarts and yeah. He, and then I guess an, to round his team, sorry, Kasha and Blackwell and somebody on the fourth line. I don't know. Good old somebody. <laughs> That's who I'm picking to score the winner. Do you think Bunting is going to play? I guess we'll know at practice here soon. We'll know at practice. Mean, to me, like, he he doesn't look totally comfortable to me. Yeah. But, like, that's It's just, his knee, right? We think. Who knows? The rumors, the rumors is, like, a knee. It's almost like a Hyman situation. He's going to play through, like, some sort of, like, a tear or a strain or whatever. Ah, Adriano wants to know, do you think that the Leafs should counter the Lightning going into goon mode at the end of the game with, with more toughness? No. I don't know. They're not going to be able, they're not going to be able to if Clifford's suspended. So. Do you know how you don't win games, James? With toughness. You win games with goals, apparently. Just a Rich thought. Cl- get Rich Clune in there? Yeah. Liz says, should MLSE increase the food costs and decrease the booze costs to get this atmosphere every game? (laughs) I don't think it was the alcohol that had people fired up last night. Uh, Dylan wants to know, when was the last time, if ever, a first round matchup had this many combined regular season wins? I haven't had a time, I haven't had a chance to look that up, but... These are probably two of the best teams that have had to meet in the first round in a long time. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, it's not like Boston's like, that's who they would have played in like a one through eight. So it's not like Boston's like, Boston had three less points than Tampa. Um, Bruins did not look very good against Carolina in game one. I picked, I picked Boston in that series, but me too. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's not looking good. Carolina's a good team. I mean, even with Anderson out, like they, they, they're going to be able to do something, I think. All right, James, we have run out of time. I have to get to practice. All righty. Well, then we'll answer some of more questions from there. We're going to try and I don't know that we'll podcast every single game, but we're going to try and podcast more frequently than once a week throughout the playoffs. So I think we'll be back uh, after game two and probably after game four, I think is the plan right now. I know you're going to be traveling and all that. So uh Thanks to everyone for listening. Our numbers have been fantastic the last few weeks, so we want to continue to to pump the great content out. Indeed. And if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash report. James has a story after game one. I have a story after game one. Josh Cloak has his usual report cards after game one. Oh, there will be more stuff today. We're recording this on, what day is this, Tuesday? And then there'll be more <laughs> stuff on Wednesday and more stuff on Thursday. It's just going to keep going and going. So, James, thank you. I will talk to you soon. And thank you to everybody for listening.